0: Monitoring podcast, helping you to understand the policy behind the politics.
1: Hello and welcome to the special Dodds Monitoring Podcast on the local election results and what they mean for politics and policy. On Thursday, the 6th of May, voters in England, Scotland, and Wales took to the polls to vote in their local elections. Dubbed Super Thursday, it was the largest number of polls ever held outside a general election with votes being held on police and crime commissioners, the Welsh Senate and the Scottish Parliament, and local councils and regional mayors. Oh, and there was also a by-election thrown in for good measure. The fallout from them has been significant, even triggering a shadow cabinet reshuffle in the Labour Party last night. I'm Laura Hutchinson, I'm Head of UK Political Intelligence here at Dodds, and joining me to discuss the fallout from these elections, I am delighted to have three experts in politics, policy, and elections. First up, we have Alan Tolhurst. Alan is the chief reporter of Politics Home and so has covered a fair few elections in his time. We also have Georgina Bailey. Georgina is the policy editor of the House Magazine, Parliament's very own in-house magazine. And last but not least, we have the excellent Josh Grundy, who is a senior political consultant for Dodds Monitoring, specializing in local government, housing, faith, and communities. So welcome to you all, and thank you so much for joining me. Um, Alan, we're going to start with you. I mean, as as we record this on on Monday morning, we seem to have had the majority of results through. Are there any sort of surprising or or notable results you perhaps weren't expecting?
2: I'm not sure surprising is really the word. Maybe I'm just a bit too kind of... um... Uh, cynical about these things but I think certainly significant I think actually the most significant result was probably the first major one that came through which was the Hartlepool by-election result with the Conservatives taking that from Labour I think it's significant because it kind of plays into the kind of deeper issues that that Labour are facing And, and if they are to try and rebuild where they lost seats and lost votes at the last election you know this kind of this shows where they still have a long way to come back from Unfortunately for Labor, there's probably further seats which mirror hartlepool's kind of um demographics in 2019 which they could you know lose further if there were to be sort of further by elections we know that obviously there's going to be one um, in batley and spen after tracy brabin won the west yorkshire mayoral election and so i think that's kind of the most significant thing i think there's you know a lot of results came afterwards obviously in in both scotland and wales that were interesting in terms of kind of the incumbency factor that those uh, parties that were already in power kind of maintain their control but I think, you know, the, the big story, unfortunately, for, for Keir Starmer is, is how difficult Labour are going to find things going forward.
1: Yes, definitely not a good evening uh, for Sir Keir Starmer. Um, Georgina, we also had the mayoral election results uh, through, including the West Yorkshire one, uh, which was declared last night, which will result in the by-election that Alarm was just talking about. Um, Labour, they seem to have done pretty well in these, is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, but I was wondering if you could also tell us about the importance sort of of mayoral elections in general and, you know, can we expect more of them to happen in other parts of the country or have the government just sort of given up on, on devolution for the time being?
0: So on the mayoralties, I do think that if Labour hadn't won Liverpool, Manchester, West Yorkshire, they would have been in even bigger trouble than they already are. But they are really interesting, the metro mayors and the combined authority mayors. They are very complicated uh forms of local governance because actually none of them really have the same powers as each other it's a really complex picture where different powers ha- different mayors have different powers now Labour, not only did they win in those uh, kind of heartland seats, they did win in the west of England and in Cambridge and Peterborough, Cambridgeshire and Peterborough, uh, which was really positive for for Labour and almost a reflection of how the votes fall in terms of the Lib Dems' second preferences going to, to Labour. But what is really relevant at the moment about mayoralties, and you see Ben Houchen in... T side coming back with 73% of the vote. Andy Street in the West Midlands also increased his majority. Now, both of those were surprise wins when they won those mayoralties the first time around. And actually what they've almost proven is how, uh, how much a local mayor can do for an area, bring in investment, be a champion of the local area, but also almost be that first blue brick in the red wall. I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the areas where the conservatives saw massive electoral gains in 2019 were where they had already in place conservative mayors who had been doing that role already so i think it is exceptionally interesting in terms of where we go- whether we're going to see more local mayors as i said it's a really complicated picture the england's devolution and local government is already very complicated and There was talk earlier in the year about the government introducing a devolution white paper that was going to regularise that. Now that's now been absorbed into their levelling up white paper, so I don't think we're going to see anything as ambitious as maybe some people were hoping. But when you speak to levelling up experts, they're very clear that actually the role of local mayors and more powers to local areas will be what drives that agenda. At the moment, the government are doing a lot of the levelling up work centrally, allocating out pots of money. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. That's super interesting. Thank you, Georgina.
1: And yes, um, I think the levelling up is uh, obviously a sort of cornerstone of this government's agenda. And we've got the Queen's speech tomorrow. So it be interesting to hear what, um, what bits they're bringing through um, on that, definitely. Um, Alan, back to you again. I'm sure you were glued to your computer yesterday waiting for this uh, Labour reshuffle, which um, I think didn't come until 9pm in the end, did it? Um, so could you talk us through what the political implications uh, are here for Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer? I mean, is it as bad for Starmer as his critics seem to be suggesting?
2: Yeah, you're right. I was uh, waiting around for a reshuffle that took, <laughs> took an awfully long time to come. But yeah, I think, I, I think this has weakened... Starmer's authority. I think also as well the, the the way that the reshuffle was handled in terms of the briefing on Saturday night about Angela Rayner's possible demotion and then her sort of, sort of promotion again when it finally came out on Sunday, I don't think it sort of worked in his favour. I think reshuffles are about kind of cementing a leader's authority and I think unfortunately for Keir Starmer he's come out of this looking a, a bit weaker. I think the scale of the task was always there for, for Labour, you know, given the how badly they did in 2019 and it was never going to be turned around in such a, a quick time and there was a lot of kind of structural issues that labor were facing this time around in terms of the pandemic you know the government has been able to sort of swamp the airwaves over the past year with the the press um press conferences and that, that sort of thing they've been paying the wages of millions of people um you know kind of keeping people afloat during the pandemic and then they provided sort of the way out of the pandemic with the vaccine rollout so there's a lot of factors in play that were always going to make it very difficult for Labour but I think the fact is that we've seen a lot of people coming out of the, especially out of the Hartlepool by-election and said that they just didn't have a clear message, even the candidate Paul Williams has basically criticised the campaign they ran in a column for the Times this morning so it's not gone well and you know I don't think for example there's gonna be a leadership election as some on the Labour left are kind of calling for, but it has certainly wounded Keir Starmer. On the other hand, for, for Boris Johnson, I think you know, it, it's been a, a very, very positive few days. I think we'll come on to kind of the issues in, in Scotland and the issues for the for the for the United Kingdom that might come out of these elections. But actually when it comes to England, they've obviously cemented those gains they made in 2019 and, and further eaten into kind of classic Labour heartlands. I think one of the interesting things though is that Labour have made gains in some places. You know, the sort of the, the potentially the blue wall, as it's been referred to, those those places back in, in, in 2016 that voted remain but have a Conservative MP or Conservative Council. Those have drifted away a bit from the Conservatives, not very far, but Labour have made some gains, so there are sort of green shoots of recovery. And actually, the, the potentially the problem for Boris Johnson might be the kind of the focus... Might be too much on those new voters in the Midlands or the North. We saw the the leader of Worthing Borough Council, who had the majority, kind of slashed down to one. You know, calling on the government actually stop focusing too much on those places and, and look to those traditional places, like in the South East, that have always voted for the Conservatives. So, a really interesting um, picture for for both sides, really.
1: Thanks, Alan. That's super interesting, and I, you're definitely right. I think about the backdrop to which these elections took place was. Um, Dare I say, unprecedented, um, and perhaps you know, it's, it's difficult to know how they would have played out in in normal times. But um, something to keep an eye on, definitely. Um, you mentioned there about the union. Obviously, these elections were something that were very important um, in Scotland. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP obviously did very well up in Scotland, as as was predicted. I mean. This obviously now gives more fuel to the fire of people arguing for the for the second um, Scottish independence referendum. This isn't obviously something Boris Johnson wants to agree to, is it? I mean, what what's the impact on on the state of the union here?
2: I think it's very interesting. You know, obviously the SNP fell one short of getting that majority they were looking for, but actually, you know. Getting 64 seats, basically, you know, fourth consecutive win and a, and a resounding victory in, in, in an electoral system which is meant to prevent one party from from doing particularly well is a fantastic result. And obviously, you know, Nicola Sturgeon will use this in her ongoing bid to try and force a second referendum. I think, you know, she said before the election that she wasn't going to push for one straight away, and I do think that there is going to be a lot more wrangling to come. Unfortunately, this is probably going to end up in the courts when it comes to deciding whether there's going to be a second referendum, there's there's talks being set up between the leaders of the devolved administrations and Boris Johnson going forward. You know, Michael Gove was out on the airwaves yesterday being slightly equivocal about the the prospects of there being another independence referendum. You know, he can't really rule one out because, you know, you can't, it's just something that that could potentially happen, but obviously it's not something that they want to. Boris Johnson, you know, pointedly made himself minister for the union when he became prime minister. And obviously he doesn't then want to be the the, the prime minister that oversees the breakup of that union. and that's why, obviously, you know, the s and result yesterday was so significant.
1: That's really interesting, Alan. Uh, thank you for talking through. And obviously, very significant implications for the union uh, that we'll, we'll see played out um, over the next couple of years, I'm sure.
0: To sign up for a free two-week trial of the Dodds Monitoring Service, email customer.service at doddsgroup.com.
1: Um, it's obviously as as you mentioned it was obviously a very good night for Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party but I'm wondering like is there any sort of tangible uh, sort of impact that this has on them you know what does it mean for the direction of their policy we've obviously got the Queen's Speech coming tomorrow Uh, we touched on levelling up already a little bit uh, earlier with Georgina but you know is this going to see a focus from Boris Johnson on these sort of like northern heartland seats, um, the Red War as it's traditionally called, or um, you know will they, will they still have to sort of focus a bit more on the traditional sort of Southwest? Yeah,
2: I, I think we certainly will. And I think the success of, of Ben in the, the as the Tees Valley Mayor, he obviously was elected on a small majority in 2017 and then was on a resounding majority this time round. He got about 73% of the votes first time round. And I think a lot of that was due to the investment that has been made up in the Tees Valley, things like they, they bought back their local um, airport. And they've also like had lots of investment in that kind of area. And I think similarly, if the Conservatives are to build on the success that they've picked up this time round. I think also there will need to be that continued investment, and as I touched on with the way that the, some of the councils in the southeast are sort of looking enviably up at the investment that's being made in the north and the northeast, I think that's where we're going to continue to see that trend, obviously the, um, the success of the Towns Fund, which has been criticised in some quarters as being sort of Hawk barrel politics, but clearly it's been having an effect because it's meant that you know those people, those places that vote for a Labour MP and were dissatisfied have now voted Conservative and have seen direct investment in their area. So I think for the, for the Conservatives, the big issue obviously going forward is going to be how they pay for all this extra money that's been spent during the pandemic, obviously the, the furlough scheme and other um, things have cost billions. You can tell that there's some tension between the, the treasury and number 10 in terms of when they start to pay some of that back you know the fact is that clearly there is going to be a very a difficult decisions to be made because they've made a lot of promises in terms of making these spending commitments up in the north and the northeastern and across the midlands and elsewhere and they're going to have to continue to do so so i think you know the, the short-term success for the for the conservatives you know they'll be very pleased with but i think they've got a bit of more of a, a challenge down the line in terms of how they pay for these things because there is clearly a realignment of British politics which means that you know there, there is a much more broader support for higher public spending whether that means there'll be support for higher taxes to get with it remains to be seen
1: Thanks, Alan. That was really helpful. Um, Josh, I'm turning to you now. Uh, obviously, you are an expert in everything local government uh, and communities. On Thursday, a total of, um, I think it was 143 English councils held their elections, didn't they? And it, that sort of works out at around 5,000 seats. Um, I'm not going to get you to run through them all, don't worry. But who are looking like the biggest sort of the winners in, in these English councils?
3: Good morning, Laura, and yes, thank you very much. So, yeah, as has rightly been said so far, um, whilst these local elections don't decide who will govern in Westminster, they are often quite helpful ways to gauge the public opinion of political parties as well as issues on a local level. I mean, it's no surprise that COVID's been at the forefront of the electorate's minds, the Conservative Party citing the vaccine rollout throughout their campaign, whilst Labour focusing on the NHS and key worker pay. And these local elections have been huge in um, the electorate casting their vote on these issues. And in summary, for these elections, it's clear that the Labour Party at the major party has suffered the most bruises locally on a council level, with Conservatives making a lot of gains. So in, this, in the vote last week, the Conservatives gained um, over 200 new councillors and f- taking control of 13 new councillors, bringing their total up to 63, whilst Labour lost just over 300 councillors and losing eight councils in total control Um, which of course we've seen over extensive coverage over the weekend um, this not being very good for Labour and if we look at where these results took place there's some very interesting trends if you look up at Durham council for example it's been held by Labour for I think for almost 100 years and that has now been lost due to some splitting of the vote but I think this can be attributed as well to like the general good performance um, of the Conservatives in the Northeast, with the winning of the Tees Valley Mayor by a very big margin, and of course the Hartlepool by-election. Um, so there's certainly some some interesting trends there as well, and it's also some of the other themes we've seen so far is that areas that voted Brexit in the lead-up in the last general elections and stuff have conservative vote has been prominent in these areas. Um, the Green Party as well have done quite well. Um, whilst obviously not as big as the other two main political parties, they have gained 88 new councillors, which is a big gain for the Green Party. Like I said, Labour has lost out a lot, northeast and the North, and I think, as was rightly mentioned before, there were some very small gains in the South in areas you wouldn't have usually expected um, Labour to do well in council elections uh, in the south and southeast of England. Whilst not huge it is still significant because I think this local election has sort of shown that there's perhaps blurred lines now between where old um, political allegiances lie geographically, Um, but I think Labour can take solace in the fact that they did perform quite well in the uh, mayoral elections, Um, although they did miss out in the end in the West Midlands to um, the the incumbent Andy Street for the Conservatives. So, it can be argued that these local elections have helped provide a picture of what's going on with the parties on the national level. I mean, in the past, it has often been hard to gauge too much from these local elections when looking at national policy, but you could argue that since um, the last test of public opinion in the 2019 general election, we've left the EU, we've had a pandemic, and it has be further evidenced by the fact that As you said, over the weekend, Starmer's had a reshuffle and they want to have a policy review, so clearly um, they're going to want to address some issues on a national level. So, yes, in summary, we saw a lot of labour losses in areas they traditionally held, so um, there's clearly a lot of work to be done there for labour, and and I'm sure this local election is going to help drive forward the national policy discussion in the coming months.
1: Thank you, Josh. Those are really interesting trends that you point out, and trends I'm, um, I'm sure Labour uh, are hoping don't translate into international um, policy. And uh, we don't actually know. I think when the next election might be. There, there is a lot of speculation that the government will be bringing forward a bill um, in the Queen's speech tomorrow to repeal the Fixed Terms Parliaments Act and give the uh, prerogative uh, back to the Prime Minister to call early general elections. So another thing to look forward to there. Um, Josh, um, again, that was a really, really helpful run through there of the English councils and sort of their their national implications and um, political implications. But so I think you could say something about, you know, the significance of these four local councils themselves. I know uh, many of them are your clients and there are some people who think, you know, local councils are all potholes and bin collections, uh, but they're obviously significantly more important than this, aren't they?
3: Yes, thank you, Laura. So uh, as you rightly pointed out, um, things like fixing potholes and bin collections are very important roles and part and parcel work of what councils do in providing delivering local services, which of course are important in their own right. But I would say that in the lead up to this particular local election, what one thing is very interesting is that the idea of placemaking has been very important. More people have been in subsequent lockdowns, regional lockdowns, more people have spent time at home and therefore people are spending more time in their local communities thinking about how these services are provided. So in that sense, it's been a very different election. Local communities are, of course, and local councils delivering on these services and Of course, different types of councils provide different services, depending if you're part of district, county or unitary council. But they provide a wide wide range of issues, including social care, provision, education, planning, etc. And of course, councillors will have a huge role in these things as well, whether that be developing and renewing council policy or working on things like local planning matters. And obviously, um, these local councils can speak for their communities as well. Um, And this is also seen as well on the combined authority level, with mayors being able to um, shape their communities, the future of their communities, and speak up for their communities. Um, But on these particular actions, we've also seen that they have been versatile in service delivery throughout the pandemic with local councils taking on additional tasks and responsibilities to aid the national effort. I mean, that could be anything from delivering food parcels to residents, supporting the test and trace effort, or helping as part of the government's everyone in initiative to get homeless people off the streets. So um, councils have also had to deal with this in the last year as well. So there's that um, extra layer to it. Um, But councils are also hugely important in delivering policy that is made on the national level. I mean, only two weeks ago, if that, um, the Domestic Abuse Act was passed. And this this bill provides more duties for local authorities to help domestic abuse survivors in different ways. And of course, there's money there for that as well. So councils have this uh, growing responsibilities, of course. Um, I mean, another issue that was A talking point for this particular local election was the fact that the most recent local government finance settlement allowed for councils to raise council tax um, this year if they wanted to in order to raise core spending power and the local government association of course welcomed the extra government funding that had been provided for covid as well as the funding settlement but of course um, councils they said would therefore face a tough choice as to whether to increase the bills to bring in the funding needed to protect these vital local services, whilst at the same time being aware of um, individual residents' incomes. So it's um, local government and some of the decisions of responsibility it has to take. It's hugely important, a hugely political issue, which all stems from Westminster. So I'd I'd summarise that these elections are very important for local councils in deciding who provides local services for the coming years, but the fact that we've seen a pandemic and the services being provided, I'd, I'd argue that this growing responsibility of local government and the role they take, um, carry out cannot be understated.
1: Absolutely, thank you, Josh. Um, I, I think working in, in local government is must a lot, a lot of the time be like sort of just plate spinning. Um, there's such a broad spectrum of, of issues that you have to deal with, and that was really interesting what you were saying about um, you know their their responsibility and role has been increased uh, but whether or not this has been matched by by funding is um contested so thank you josh um georgina i'm going to come back to you for the last question here um josh was obviously just giving a really good run through for the implications for local government um but do yesterday's elections have any impact on on national policy here i mean A lot of the campaigns, Labour uh, in particular, focused on sort of NHS and, and, you know, NHS pay. These obviously aren't the remit of of local government, are they?
0: No, the NHS isn't part of local government's remit. I thought it was a very interesting campaign choice from Labour to put it so centrally. Um, Because, yeah, as you said, it's not something that local government really has power over. I mean, in Manchester, Andy Burnham has a tiny bit of power over healthcare. But as a whole, I wouldn't have said that that was the right campaigning approach to take. Um, In terms of its impact on national policy, it's a really complex picture because I don't think that they do have that much impact on national policy as a whole. But obviously, it does then have huge political impacts on what is is going to happen with Labour's policy review that's now coming out as a result of these elections, whether it will change uh, the Conservatives' approach to levelling up, whether they're going to put more and more investment into these council areas which they've won over. So I think there could be some implications, but I don't think that it will necessarily be as sweeping as we might otherwise expect from local elections that have had such a massive impact on the narrative. The other thing to say, though, is that obviously... It wasn't just local council elections, we did have the Senate election in Wales where Labour got 30 seats out of 60 and obviously we also had the Scottish Parliament elections and that will obviously have massive impacts on both of those countries' national policy Um, and then could have knock-on impacts on the UK's policy as a whole.
1: That's fascinating. Thank you so much, Georgina. And the the realignment uh, that we're watching happen um, in politics is is fascinating. And I'm sure the Labour uh, Policy Review will have to uh, consider how they appeal to this sort of broad spectrum of people and try and simultaneously maintain sort of what was traditionally their heartland voters there. Um, thank you so much uh to all three of you alan josh and georgina there that was that was really really interesting and insightful um thank you to everyone for listening as well um for more analysis on politics and uh policy please do contact us at customer at doddsgroup.com um otherwise please uh have a look out on social media uh for any sort of for future upcoming briefings or podcasts and obviously you can follow Georgina, Alan, and Josh on Twitter as well. Um, thank you uh, all, and until next time, goodbye.